Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, good afternoon. Thank you for the invitation to present at the fourth annual Cyprus Shipping Forum. Um, I thought it would be interesting to present to you today the developments as regards the Eurozone economy, the forces that influence the outlook of the Eurozone economy, and hence what monetary policy decisions are taken at the Governing Council of the European Central Bank, which by themselves affect the interest rates and the financing conditions that your industry faces. Let me start by um, giving the definition of the primary objective of the European Central Bank, which is price stability. And how is that defined? The formal definition of price stability is to achieve a target inflation rate that is below but close to 2%. So this is what we are trying to achieve at the European Central Bank. In order to do this, of course, we analyze the economic dynamics and trends of the Eurozone, but also of other major countries that impact the Eurozone. And namely, we look at the USA, the UK, Japan, and China. Let me start by giving the different dynamics as we see them within the Eurozone, and then talk about the periphery. Firstly, let me point out that it's an interesting mix of trends that not all of them move in the same direction. That's an intricate way of saying that our job is not easy. But let's start by the PMI for manufacturing in the Eurozone. That has been showing a lot of weakness for a long period of time. Towards the end of 2019, it showed signs of stabilization. But after the end of January, it looks like the impact from the coronavirus is putting further pressure on the manufacturing PMI, which itself, itself is putting pressure on Eurozone economic growth. The total impact is yet unknown of the virus or of the impact on the Eurozone. I think we're still at the early stages. But from the Eurozone perspective, Germany appears to be the country that is most exposed to the coronavirus because a lot of its industry depends on inputs that are being manufactured in Chinese factories. Now, while the manufacturing PMI has always been correlated with the services PMI, we see a dislocation. So there's weakness in the manufacturing PMI, but the services PMI is looking good, it's about 50%, which is where we wanted to see, where we want to see it. And then let me give you a description of the other dynamics. One of the major achievements of the European Central Bank's monetary policy has been in the field of employment. Unemployment has decreased substantially in the Eurozone, and this is through the economic easing that has been established. However, what we haven't seen is wage inflation pressure. So we see that unemployment is quite low, but wages are not moving. At the same time, we don't see this pass-through of costs from the companies to the actual consumer prices. And we don't see it in the data, but we also hold industry dialogues at the ECB level. And the, all the CEOs of the companies we've talked to, they say they would rather absorb any increase in cost in their profit margin than pass it to the consumer. 
Why? Because currently there is a lot of elasticity in consumer demand and we all witness it. We all go online and we try to find the cheapest possible way of procuring consumer goods. So we see a squeeze in the profit margins of companies. And then if we look that unemployment is quite low, wages are not increasing, profit margins are being squeezed, but let's look at the equity markets. US equity market valuations are at a record high, even though the expectations of profit margins outlook is that profit margins will be reduced further. The same goes for European stock exchanges. So a big question arises is we don't see inflation rising. We see very high valuations of companies even though their profits are being squeezed. A lot of possible outcomes there could be a correction in the equity market prices or at some point there could be a decision from the companies to start passing costs into their final consumer goods and hence we will see inflation rising. But this remains to be seen. But this is the mix of dynamics that we see within the Eurozone. And this is one of the re main reasons why inflation remains below our target. Up until, in December rather, 2019, inflation was 1.3%, not close to 2%, which is our objective. In January, it was 1.4%, a sign that it was possibly heading in the right direction. But recent data, because of the coronavirus impact, is beginning to have a negative impact again. What's happening in the other countries that affect the Eurozone? If we look at the USA, which is a major Eurozone trading partner, um, they are expected to lose momentum in 2020 this year. Business investment is expected to be weak in the US due to subdued global growth and trade tensions. And again, here let me make a clarification. There was a lot of optimism when the phase one agreement between the US and China was announced. But it wasn't a complete agreement. It was a truce, effectively. And there is a, bilat um, a third party cost from that because China agreed to increase imports from the US, but it's expected to reduce imports from the Eurozone and other third parties. So again, a lot of fluctuation there. If we look at the UK, it's also expected to decelerate this year. But let me also tell you that from all levels of Europe, whether it's the European Commission or the European Central Bank itself, there is increasing skepticism that there will be a trade agreement by the end of this year. It's a very big challenge. There's not enough time to conclude a deal. Japanese growth is low because of a sales tax that has impacted consumption, and China is expected to have the biggest impact on its GDP from the coronavirus. One major investment bank is giving a projection of uh, minus 1.4% decrease in GDP simply from the coronavirus, and that's in China. So putting all this together, and given the most recent results from the last quarter of 2019, where Germany surprised everybody with zero growth in the last quarter, France and Italy surprised everybody with a contraction, 
and this hasn't fed into the projection I'm about to give you, but GDP growth for 2020 for the Eurozone is expected to be 1.1. But the results of the fourth quarter of 2019 have not been included, and the coronavirus is the big unknown, which is another impact. That's why in all the statements of the Governing Council, we continue to say that risks remain tilted to the downside. And that's why in the last monetary policy meeting, we continue to hold the negative interest rates at zero point, negative 0.5%, and the asset purchasing program will continue at 20 billion per month. And also, given all these dynamics, this highly accommodative stance by the ECB is expected to continue. So the low for long, low interest rates for long, will be there for a considerable amount of time. This is the expectation. And we all hope to be surprised in a more positive way. Now this monetary policy, in addition to the beneficial impact on employment, is behind the very low sovereign yields that we are witnessing. So there's a lot of benefit also at the sovereign level. But it's also achieving its real aim, which is to push banks to lend to businesses at attractive rates. Uh, there is a flow through of the monetary policy into the financing conditions. Financing conditions have never been as good. In the last 12 months alone, lending to businesses has reduced on average by 0.1%, and this is after many years of reduction. And mortgages have reduced further by 0.4%. So it is passing through to the markets, and hopefully you see it as well in your own financing. And an overall calculation is that this monetary easing contributed 2.7% to real GDP growth, between 2015 and 2018. But as I said, all the variables are there to say that it will continue for at least the foreseeable future. Let me say a few things about Cyprus as well. For 2019, GDP growth was 3.2%. We have had a very good achievement in the economy of Cyprus because since 2015, we had consistent positive GDP growth in other words, is sustainable. And the central bank's projection for the years 20 to 22 is that it will remain at around 3% or slightly below 3%, which compares very favorably with the Eurozone average of 1.1. Sorry, uh, Eurozone projection of 1.1 1 .1 for 2020. The banking sector has done a tremendous, has achieved tremendous progress. Non-performing loans from 28 billion euros at their peak are now 9 billion within the banking system of Cyprus. And if two transactions are completed in, in, in the next four to five weeks, we may see a further reduction of around 30 to 40% of that 9 billion number. Liquidity of the Cyprus banks is, is quite high. The loan to deposits ratio is 59%. EU average, 116%. So our banks do have a lot of money to lend, but of course, as a regulator, I will always say lend cautiously, or at least make sure that their repayment factor is there. 
And common equity tier one is at 16.3%, which again compares with an average of 14.7 for the Eurozone. Last but not least, the Manibar report came out recently, which recognized the tremendous progress done in other sectors, including corporate governance and anti-money laundering measures. To conclude, we have to remain vigilant as regards economic trends for the Eurozone. There are many risks and the coronavirus is going to have an impact. And in addition to risks remaining on the downside, we continue and I support also the ECB stance that governments should expand their fiscal policies. Monetary policy alone is not enough. We need fiscal policies to complement that. Volatility is here to stay. So from business planning, that's something to always keep an eye on. Financing conditions are very favorable. So the ECB's monetary policy has achieved that. And Cyprus should continue on its path of deleveraging and creating now buffers to be able to withstand any external shocks. Thank you.